Good morning. Welcome to Simply Remarkable. We're so glad you're here on Fearless Friday and we have a great time coming up for you. Now, this show is sponsored, hosted, and created by Remarkable A Speakers Bureau. And I'm Sue Falcone, your host, founder, and CEO of Remarkable. Now, why did we do this? We did this for you. We wanted you, our audience, to know our talent that we represent and book here at Remarkable personally, just as we do. Yes, we personally know every person that we represent. And we wanted you to see their value as a speaker. And you never know, you might be looking for one for a next event, or you know someone who is. So we did never know what happens here. And you'll also see how remarkable our guests are and how they can help you be remarkable too. Now, thanks for joining us today. The chat line is open and active. Let us know where you're coming from because we have people all over the world join us and we know that. And some people don't want to say anything, so we don't know, can see that you're here, but we know that you are. And feel free to send us any questions or comments. We'd love to hear from you. Now, our special guest today, I am so excited, is the international keynote speaker, workplace leadership trainer, best-selling author, and executive coach, Paul Falcone. No, we are not related, <laughs> but we have similar life experiences. So we got connected and it's been a great chapter in our lives together. And he is known and referred to by HR Magazine as the Bruce Springsteen of human resources. I can't wait to hear about that. And his publisher, which is HarperCollins Leadership, refers to Paul as their number one best-selling author in the HR space and consider him the father of human resources. Wow. You sound so old. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> no, he's definitely not old. All right. And he is a top speaker and storyteller who makes learning fun and exciting, no matter how serious or how challenging the topic. Welcome today, Paul Falcone. Thank you so much for coming, Paul. No, thank you, Sue. It's my pleasure. It's great to be here. Great. And where are you coming to us from? Actually, I live in Los Angeles, but I'm coming to you right now from Chicago. Oh, wow. You didn't have to get up quite as early. Okay. That's right. It's a little better. Uh -huh. <laughs> but we would have to, and our broadcast director, she's had to get up early. So we know all about that, <laughs> that we all have to do. But anyway, thank you so much, Paul, for joining us. And this 30 minutes goes by so fast. I mean, it's gone and we don't even know it. So let's get started. Let's get started. Now, you are known. Paul, as the HR expert. Now, how did you get involved in HR? How did it happen? It's an interesting question. Um, I'm Italian. I'm from Brooklyn. I grew up in New York, went to UCLA, uh, didn't look back, grew up in you know California for my adult years. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I graduated from college. I studied literature. And I went to an employment agency and I said, can you help me find a job? And they said, why don't you work here? And lo and behold, I stayed there for about six years and became their director of training. Ultimately, though, we were selling, Sue, to human resources people. And I realized that's what I wanted to do. So I kind of got in the back door, 
it took me a little while, but I went back to school, got my certification and, and whatever, and then joined the ranks of human resources. So been in the business about three decades until last summer, uh, 4th of July in 2022, when I decided I was going to open my own consulting firm. So that's what brings me to you today. Wow. What a journey. What a journey. And uh, yes, you've had a great corporate career with this, with such things as being a former chief human resource officers for Nickelodeon. Now, how fun is that? Yeah, it was fun. We're at Universal Studios. Mercy goodness. Uh, you've done a lot of things in this, but what directed you last year? Like you said, you wanted to do something different. What directed you to the world of speaking, writing, and coaching? Well, the funny thing is I've been doing it in parallel with my regular corporate career for years. So um, I have my 16th book uh, coming out from HarperCollins in September. Um, so that's I, the writing has always been going on. And I'm a columnist for SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, speaking at the conferences and doing all those kinds of things. So in a way, I cheated a little bit. I've been preparing for this for three decades. Um, but last summer, um, we, had, we became grandparents and our kids are here in Chicago. So we wanted to spend more time here. And also I had a new book series come out from HarperCollins. It was a five book set and it was called the Paul Falcone Workplace Leadership Series. I was really honored that they used my name in the title. Um, but it was that point that I thought I'm gonna, I've always wanted to do this consulting with a new book series out. And we wanna spend more time in Chicago. Now's the time for us to kind of make that break. So that's what made me make that decision about a year ago. That's a hint to everyone that are out there to, wanting to make some changes in your life. Pay attention, listen to the things around you to see what can happen because it can i see it all the time so thanks for sharing that that's great now paul we know there are many leaders and event planners joining us today and you speak on many issues and topics but what we are seeing and being asked for is what can you tell us are the top two workplace issues that leaders are facing today. And can you give us some tips and help today? Oh boy. Yeah. Top two would be easy enough. There's a million of them, but if I had to pick the top two, Sue, I'd say the first thing is lack of a better term, constructive confrontation. Too many times we see managers that look the other way, sweep things under the rug, hope things fix themselves. And then some proverbial straw is broken on the camel's back. They blow up. They want the person fired. All this drama ensues. And so kind of building that muscle, I think, is really, really important. The other thing that we see a lot of times is talent acquisition. We hear it over and over again. There's no people. Um, how do we get more creative in what we're doing? How do we find people? How do we hire the right people and onboard them the right way? So, you know, the, the, the pandemic, COVID changed a lot. And I think the wise employers will learn from these issues and they'll kind of figure out, how do I make it work for my company? But there's a lot of good, there are a lot of good clues out there. I think that most business owners and senior executives in corporate America can follow. They just have to be open to reinventing the way they're doing things. That is it. When you do that, uh, what do you find that people are saying too much about the issues? What, what are they, you know, they're facing those issues, but do they really know how to, to let it work out or do they need help? 
Yeah, they need help. It's kind of a schizophrenic market, right? Six months ago, we were talking about talent retention and the great resignation. And oh my goodness, where do we find these people and how do we keep them? Now, all of a sudden, again, my background is the entertainment industry. I've also done healthcare, biotech and financial services, but primarily entertainment. And, you know, Paramount Pictures announced about a month ago, they're laying off 25% of their staff. Disney is laying off between seven and 8,000 people. Um, there's a lot of change out there going on where one minute you can't hold on to them and the next minute you can't shave them off fast enough. And I think it's that spirit of things. You know, the new book coming out is called Leading Through Crisis. And when HarperCollins asked me, they said, Paul, what book do we need? I said, I don't know about you, but everybody in my world, myself included, just feels like we're building the plane while we're flying it. It's crisis after crisis. We're going left. No, we're going right. We're going forward. No, we're going backwards. And I think we all need to take a collective breath. I think we need to be the ones who can calm the room, look at things a little more objectively, see it from a broader perspective, Sue. And then we can we, we can address these things. But this whipsaw, you know, we're getting, we're getting whiplash from all this stuff. It's changing so quickly. So it'll take time for this post-pandemic reintegration phase to happen. But we have to show a little bit more patience and a little bit more wisdom. You're right. And I totally understand where you're at because we've experienced that here. Lots of business growth. And then you have all the crises that come and it's like, wow. Okay. And I still got to take care of my people. Okay. Yep. What do we do? So thanks for sharing that, that we're all in that. And we, we've got help coming. This is great because we always need resource material to go to. And that's what I love about writing as well as speaking. We've got to have some credibility to go to because we can't remember everything you might tell us in person, but that book is there for us. So thank you for taking the time. Now you're on your 16th and 17th book coming out. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Now, Paul, tell us what makes the experiences that you create for your audiences in person or virtual and the books that you write stand out in people's minds. What does that? And how do you differentiate what you do? What's the magic here? It's an easy magic, so I always focus on the how. People know what to do. They've gone to the trainings, right? The, the, the new book that's coming out on the back cover, it says, this is for all the situations you're going to face as a manager that you never learned about in management training. And that's kind of the logic to it. Um, one of my books, The 101 Tough Conversations to Have with Employees, you literally script it out. And when you can kind of see what it sounds like, I don't tell people use these exact words, right? You have to make it your own. You have to customize it. But if you can hear that conversation in advance, you can kind of predict how the employees are going to respond. You feel more confident going into it. And it's always that focus on the how. Even if you have an MBA, the truth of the matter is most people didn't go to HR school and MBAs in HR school don't necessarily teach leadership in the trenches. They teach theory. So I want to give people the how, right? Here's how to document the disciplinary issue. Here's how to hold and structure the tough conversation. Here's how to do the interview questioning pattern. If you're looking at a C-level candidate, CEO versus a recent college graduate versus a salesperson versus, a, you know what I mean? Make it very, very concrete. And most of my books have been written that you can jump in anywhere. I never want to read a book where I got to start on page one and get to page 240 to figure out what's going on. 
So a lot of my books have numbers. It's like, I've got a problem with this particular issue. Quick, go to number 72. And that'll show you in the book where you can talk about that performance issue, that conduct issue, that attendance and reliability issue, whatever it happens to be. But I'd have to say, if there's one thing that's led to the success of my books, it's the fact that they focus on the how and they give the reader very concrete steps and oftentimes scripts, times of how to go about opening that can of worms. That's the hardest part. They don't know how to start the conversation. So if you can give them that and they can feel comfortable with it so that they're not judging the person, they're not showing they're angry, but they're really coming across giving them something constructive. Sue, the most important decisions about your career will be made when you're not in the room. That's the same for you and that's the same for me and everybody else. Let me help you raise awareness about something that you may not see right now, but may hurt you long term. I want to help you influence what's being said about you in that proverbial room someday while you're not there to defend yourself. Do I have permission to share something with you? When you open up that way, so people are like, uh, sure, they don't feel judged and they feel like you're coming across as a coach and a mentor as opposed to a disciplinarian. And it has a whole different feel to it. So if you can build that into an entire book and give them that kind of soft approach, it's like that steel hand with a soft velvet glove, people start to feel more confident about what they're doing. That is so true. That is so true. And I think, you know, we kind of lost some of that along the way. And if we ever had it at some point, and now we're, we're being forced to do something. <laughs> okay. So I love the how I love the how because that's the training. That's the key thing training. And uh, a lot of companies shied away from training, didn't they? You know, they they just thought you're just supposed to know. So you're it. supposed to know. You're supposed to divine it by by experience. And the truth is, you can, but you're going to step on landmines all along the way. And it's better if we can get someone at the front of that parade, blowing the whistle, saying, "Hey, everybody, come this way. Don't go that way." Um, but people make the same mistakes again. For me, I've worked in Fortune 500, small companies, nonprofits, union environments, international. People are people. They're doing the best that they can. But they need that, what I've always called that handy guide and that guiding hand to help them see how to lead through the employer, the ent entire employee life cycle, from how do you hire them and onboard them, to how do you motivate them, develop and coach them, to how do you hold them accountable, hold those you know, crucial conversations, document discipline when you need to, if you need to structure terminations, right? It's both leadership offense and leadership defense, the sports metaphors. And really, it's about doing it all in this code of, of, of ethics. I write about workplace ethics as well. You know, the idea of um, mastering ethical leadership and sustaining a moral workplace, that's part of the whole package because they have to feel comfortable about themselves in the long run. And I think what I've done inadvertently, besides hitting on the how, this is a little bit of a spiritual element in my writing too. The funny thing is leadership is the greatest gift that the workplace offers. You touch people's lives, you grow people's careers. And as Maya Angelou once said famously, it's like people won't remember what you said and people won't remember what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And if you can just kind of capture that, that's in all of my writing, understand that if you can become someone's favorite boss, people will give that discretionary effort. The drama will melt away. And that's really the key. So whether I'm writing it, teaching it in UCLA or, you know, right, you know, doing it in the corporate classroom training setting. Um, those are the messages. And I think there's a lot of aha moments. 
The final thought on that, Sue, is we've lost the ability as a society to sit around the campfire and pass wisdom from the elders down to the younger generation. Gen Z, the 25 and under crowd, has tested out as the loneliest, most isolated, and most depressed generational cohort on the planet, even more so than people living in retirement homes. We've got to make sure that COVID made that worse. It exacerbated it. We have to bring these people back into the fold. And that's what staff meetings are for. And that's what one-on-one -on -one meetings are for and professional development meetings. So just kind of keeping those big moving blocks in mind, it helps you understand really what is my role as a leader or as a business owner? And how do I want to pay that forward? How do I want to make my people stronger as a result of my leadership? And see, this is key. What you're telling us are the key things that people are going to need today. I mean, to survive in their businesses, to grow their companies and be the, the dominant that they want to be. And I'm excited about, from our bureau standpoint, not only are you a great keynote speaker for any organization, association, company, or uh, whatever, conference, whatever, but you're also able to provide coaching and corporate training. So our bureau went into that. So I'm excited because that's different than just doing an event to an event. It is teaching that how in more detail. So that's, that's key. So I was glad to bring you into Remarkable because I knew that could be part of our growth that we wanted to be able to offer more for our clients than just a keynote speaker. And so thank you for sharing that because that's, that's what this is all about, that, you know, it creates that wanting more and you've certainly done that, you know, in your keynotes, you do that. They want more, but there's a way to have it. So that that's cool. Thanks, yeah. Deborah. She came on board and said, this is a remarkable show with another remarkable guest. Thanks, Deborah. As uh, always, we, we love our comments from our people. And uh, thank you, Deborah, for doing that. Now, um, let me ask you, Paul. You've given us so much information here, and I love it. I love it. I love it. But what makes you smile still about your career path right at this moment? What makes you smile? It's, it's interesting, Sue. That's one of the interview questions that I use in my book. Um, what still makes you smile about your career path to this point? You'd be surprised when you interview a candidate, especially a senior leader, that question can throw them a little bit. It's not a knockout question, but I want to see the ones where the eyes sparkle. They sit up in the chair and they jump on that question as opposed to the ones who fall back in the chair, look down at their shoes. Um, it can be an indicator. The funny thing for me is one of the key reasons why I wanted to get into doing this is because I want to touch more lives. It's like, yeah, my books are translated into a half a dozen different languages. It's cool to know that you're being read around the world. Um, but the reality is I like the hands-on. And I've worked in enough organizations and in enough industries to know that the bottom line to all this is people are people. They're doing their best, right? You, you know, err on the side of compassion. People are doing the best work they can do. But the funny thing is, if you can change their sponsoring thought about a few simple things, who they are as a leader. What's the difference between leadership and management? How do you pay it forward? What do you want people to say about you as your legacy? I mean, those are the coaching questions, right? When you're talking with an executive and say, would you want to work for you? And they're like, well, 
I mean, yeah, I'm Paul, I'm really busy. You know, sometimes <laughs> it's hard. Those are not easy questions. Or if the whole company followed your lead, would you be happy with where you took it? These are questions that are meant to have people look inside. It's that career introspection. But the bottom line is we could be doing, we could be having more fun with this. We could be more successful at this. We just need to lighten up a little bit. A little bit of enlightenment is something that all C-level, all business owners, all senior executives, all frontline operational managers need. Because the truth of the matter is when I go through the exercise, Sue, I talk to people in a classroom or in a corporate training setting. And I say, tell me about your favorite boss. And the hands go up. She always had my back. She made me feel like my opinion counted. Next one, employee goes, hands goes up. Well, my, that boss challenged me to do things I wasn't even ready for. Uh, he, has, he seemed to have more faith in me than I had in myself at that time. I'll always remember how great it was working for him. Where we take that exercise is, okay, keep it simple. Are you describing the person's beingness or their doingness? Are you describing who they are or are you describing what they did? And the answer is, well, both. But basically, I let them talk it out. And almost always, it comes down to someone says, well, wait a second. I know it's what they're doing, but I think really, ultimately, it's who they're being. And that's the bottom line. The bottom line is being someone's favorite boss comes from two things, caring and, and um, well, caring and concern on the one hand and character. That's it. It's character is caring. That's, makes someone, that's what makes you someone's favorite boss. We are all focusing in our lives on doing this. What are you doing? What are you doing to, to, to motivate, to retain, to develop? To I understand that. But you need to see the leadership from the standpoint of beingness. Who are you as a leader? And how are you making it safe for your employees to grow and develop and gain traction in their careers? It's not that easy. In fact, it's a little bit, it makes things easier. It's not that hard. It makes things easier for you. You can start to delegate more. You can start to sleep better at night. You can delegate the stuff that you're great at, that you love doing, that you want to help build and the people who report to you. And everything then gets aligned. What's in your best interest as a leader is in their best interest as career and professional development. What we know about Gen Y and Gen Z, again, the 45 and the 25 and under generational cohorts out there, is they want career and professional development in every survey that's taken. So part of that is, yeah, you got to recognize them, make them feel good about themselves, give it generously. That's the psychic income that keeps people, everyone wants to know they're doing a good job. But on the flip side, you also have to know how to help them learn their craft and their trade, which means at times you're going to have to give negative feedback. If you make them feel judged, if you come from a, what were you, what were you thinking? Why did you do that? They will shut down. You will lose the trust of that individual and anyone else who was in that room who witnessed it. If you can get to the point where they can feel good about coming to you with suggestions. And you can take it in a positive setting and say, I think that's a great idea. Let me share with you what worked for me when I was working on that. Let's see if we can combine thoughts. All of a sudden, you, you feel you're, you're building a, mus a muscle. You're making them feel like it's not risky to share new ideas and new thoughts. That's when you pierce their hearts. That's when you become their favorite boss. And that's when you get the discretionary, uh, discretionary effort that you're ultimately looking for in all your employees. And you know, Paul, it goes right in with speaking and writing. What makes you a great speaker? What makes you a, a great author is you got to bring some fun in it. 
that's what I've been asked for as a bureau a lot of times. Look, we need those that can bring a message, but also have some fun with it. And you're right, not make us feel like we're out of place or we're being judged or we shouldn't be thinking that, doing that. So thank you for sharing that because that's key. That is so key. Now, I know you do both virtual and in-person speaking events and corporate training and coaching and all. Which do you enjoy the most, being in front of a big audience or being in a coaching and a corporate training session? It's not which one I enjoy most. I enjoy all of them. The, the fun thing for me is there's variety in what I'm doing. I mean, prior to COVID, I didn't even know what Zoom was. Um, now, all of a sudden on Zoom, I can touch people all over the world. I've done presentations now in Vietnam and South Africa and Qatar. I, I, it's just amazing. So, yes, I love doing it this way. But doing it in person is a lot more fun, truthfully. It's just you get to know the people. You get to touch more lives. That's really why I got into this business a year ago. Um, I think doing that in person is a lot more fun than doing it over the internet. But with the internet, you can do it galore and touch all corners of the planet. So either way works for me, Sue. I, I'm happy to, to, to you know, adjust, modify whatever needs to be done. But I also think you need to get audience participation. Um, yeah, it has to be fun, but they also don't want to be lectured to, and they don't want to listen to one voice going on and on and on. The more you can pull them out to talk about what their own experiences are or to talk with each other about that, I think that makes a big difference because I think people feel like once they're involved in the story, they're not just passive receivers of the message. They're actually fully engaged in it because they're trying to customize it for their own needs. And that's what a good speaker is able to do. I so agree. And here's the deal. What event planners tell me they want when they call me and ask for a speaker, they want someone that can create an experience with their audiences, which would engage them, would have fun, create an experience. If we can, as speakers in our, our industry, can flip this to say, I don't do speaking. I don't do presentations. I don't lecture. I don't do this. I create experiences because that's what they're going to remember. That's what they're going to read again and again, those experiences. So thank you for sharing that because that is key. And we can flip our industry by getting people to understand that's what event planners are looking for. They even say it. So why not us as speakers and um, authors say that's what we do. We create experiences for others that will bring positive results. So thank you for sharing that. That's key. Now, can you believe it? Time flies when you're having fun. That's really true. But one closing question to you, Paul. What are you going to do today while you're in Chicago to be remarkable? Oh, I've got an easy one. I don't have much discretion on this, so it's a good question. Um, my book manuscript is due Tuesday in New York at, at HarperCollins. Uh, today, I will be remarkable, as I will this weekend, incorporating all the final changes and putting all the final touches on it. But it, it, it's fun. To me, the, the book writing has always been a very creative outlet. And same thing, writing articles for the Society for Human Resource Management. The leadership in the trenches is something that comes to you when you're in human resources. You couldn't make this stuff up if you tried. But what you realize is, is you're learning this stuff in real time, that's when the articles uh, come out. 
And then when you've got a bunch of these articles, guess what? You have enough content content for a book. And that's the fun thing for me. And I just think that I love my writing because I feel like I'm paying it forward. I feel like I'm helping people learn from someone who's done it for three decades. And even if you're a first time manager or even if you're a 30 year business owner or whatever it is, there's new ways to do this and creative ways that make you feel better about yourself, make your people feel better about your organization. And business isn't, I always say we do things through people, not despite them. I really want to make that the environment. That's the message I want to get out there. For the little piece of the world that I'm able to touch, I want to make it a better experience for everybody so that they're having fun while they're doing what they're doing. And they can actually reinvent who they are because they're looking at life through that selfless leadership lens and they're paying it forward. So that's what I'm going to do today. And you've got me covered for the rest of the weekend too. <laughs> that's it. And I can't wait for those remarkable books to come out. That. We know that you have to go through those things to make sure that you have everything there. And to our audience out there, we want to know, what are you going to do today to be remarkable? Please put it in the chat or give us a comment because that's important. We got to remember we're all unique and remarkable and we want to hear what you're doing today. Now, thanks again so much for joining us, Paul. And we hope you'll come back because we know people will want you back. I would and, love to. And if you want to book Paul for your, when you want to book him for your next keynote event or executive coaching or corporate training, please contact us today. He books really quickly and he stays really busy. This is key. So just contact us and we'll be glad to work with you and bring him to your audiences. And everyone, we hope you come back with us next week. Can you believe it will be August? Oh, where did July go? I mean, I'm not sure, but it's going to be August. And next uh, Friday the 4th, our guest will be Darren Kidd. Now, he's a global keynote speaker. He's a business growth strategist, executive coach, best-selling author, and he is a renowned leader and former multiple seven-figure earner in the network marketing group. Wow, we ought to hear some. He's been on stage with some of the best names out there. And he, Darren will show us how to unlock our limitless power to succeed with his secret, I will until mindset. So be with us next week. You won't want to miss that because he's on a mission to have, make a positive impact on millions around the world. And he's doing that. Now, we also invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you won't miss an episode of our show. And you can go back and see all the previous episodes. And also, we didn't, we don't demand that you take notes. <laughs> you know, this is, you get a lot of information. So you, we have it for you. So you can go back and look at it in case you forget anything that Paul shared with us today and want to know that. So we hope that you have a remarkable summer weekend. Keep cool because temperatures are, you know, it's July. It's, it's middle of summer here. We're ready. And we will see you again next Friday. Thanks, Paul. We appreciate you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Sue. Thanks, everybody.